Well, hi there, and welcome to Unshaken. I'm Julie Van Warmer, your host for today's episode, and I'm so glad you're joining me. I want to take a minute before we get started and invite you to head over to our socials, Facebook and Instagram. Follow or like us at Women of the Word CTW. This is our umbrella account that covers and highlights this podcast, Unshaken, our blog called Planted, our mom-to-mom ministry aimed at encouraging mothers in the work they do, and also our Regarding Him conference that happens yearly in March. There is so much good content on these socials, you are not going to want to miss it, so go follow them today. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast directory, like Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, CastBox. It helps us out and it also helps you out because you get notifications of new episodes that drop each and every Thursday. You can also reach out to us at unshakenpsalm622 at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you if you ever have any ideas, suggestions, or thoughts about an episode. Or maybe you just want to tell me about something that you heard on an episode and how it impacted you. Finally, Unshaken is a podcast for women, put on by women, and our goal is to encourage and challenge and point women to Jesus Christ. And as you know, with Jesus, we can be unshaken no matter our circumstances. Today we're going to listen to our third in our four-part series called Purpose. The topic today is called Grow, and our speaker is Kim Leckman. I'm not sure about you, but here in Northwest Ohio, it is winter, and I am ready to grow something. I've sure enjoyed working on my cactuses and succulents and my houseplants and watering them and cleaning them up. Even a few weeks ago, I went to a flower shop and purchased some more succulents because it just made me feel like spring. I am so longing for the green grass and the lush foliage of the trees in my backyard when we hit spring and summer. But here's the thing I know about growth. It takes work. If I want my houseplants to grow, I have to water them. I have to trim back the dead branches and leaves. I have to make sure they get sunlight. And this is true for all of the plants on the outdoors. Growth takes work. Today we're going to listen to this exact topic, only not about plants, but about you and me. Let's jump right in. So when my son Christopher was growing up, and um, he's 29 now, so this is when he was much younger, he'd always want to try and rescue every little creature that was injured, like baby birds that fell out of their nests or other similar animals. And one time, a mother duck was waddling down our street, and she kept walking around and over the sewer cover. And I'm guessing it's because she heard the water in there. Well, her babies were really tiny, and they fell through the grate. So our neighbor man fished them out with a pool net and sent them on their way. However, it wasn't long before that little family was back again, and the babies fell through. So this time, we called the local volunteer firefighters, and they contacted somebody to come out and take them um, and rescue the little family again and take them away from the neighborhood for safety, with the exception of one. And that little guy was deemed to be dead, and they put him under a nearby bush and left him. Well, this was not going to do for Christopher. I tried to explain that the duck was not going to make it, and that leaving it there was the best thing to do. But he begged me, saying, we can't just let it lie there alone. So I agreed to let him tend to the duck. 
He found an old shoebox with an attached lid, and it had little holes on both sides. He lined the whole thing with soft towels, and just before heading out to retrieve that little duck, he turned on the oven. Now, don't gasp. (laughs) I was going to draw the line at baking the duck. But he took that box containing the duck and placed it on the top of the stove to receive the warmth of the oven. He was very careful, gentle. Everything was well thought out, intended to. I was not hopeful that it was going to make a difference. And we talked again about what the men said about the duck being dead. But wouldn't you know it, within 20 to 30 minutes, I looked over and a teeny tiny duck head was sticking out of one of those holes. He was alive and well, warm and dry, and looking for his mama, which became Christopher. So he had carefully nurtured and tended to him, and now there was joy all around. I agreed to let him keep him for two days, and then he had to go to the rescue center. But for those two days, that little guy followed him all around, even walking down the sidewalk to visit grandma and grandpa. So this session is about purposing to grow with the idea of nurturing good things. In the story I shared, a good thing was done by Christopher, acting on what he was led to do, thoughtfully planning and preparing, and then carefully caring for the life while he had it. There was great joy in the outcome. As we think about growth and nurturing good things, let's begin in Ephesians chapter 2. We'll start in verse 8. It says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. The Bible tells us that we were created in Jesus to do good works. I think it's important now to take a moment to remind ourselves that these are not works that somehow gain us favor or make us right with God, leading to salvation. The only way to salvation is by faith in Jesus Christ and his work for us on the cross. And that faith is a gift of God. The good works spoken up here are what we do as a result of being saved. They are acts of obedience that result in bringing glory to God, which, as you remember, is our true purpose. They are not done to please ourselves, but to please Christ. I used to get hung up on the idea of what was a good work that I was created for. How would I know it? I would worry and think, what if I missed it? It seemed like it should be big, like a missionary or a pastor or a doctor or something. But I believe that these good works are works of obedience to his word. They are every aspect of our thinking and conduct, and they are pleasing to God. The verse says good works, plural, not one single big thing. They are what we live every day. This is not merely a subset of things that are churchy or what we would consider holy. Gathering at church, attending Bible studies, singing songs, communion, baptism, this conference, these are all part of a believer's life, and they are good works. But so are other parts of our life. Things like patience with your two-year-old, washing the dishes, submitting to your husband, driving the speed limit, not grumbling while doing your sixth load of laundry for the day. 
sending a note of encouragement to a friend, cleaning the bathroom, forgiving your sister, repenting of sin, thanking God for the garden you're planning to plant, being joyful in the midst of pain, quietly trusting God for monies to replace your leaky roof, or helping your parents with yard work. Good works are the fruit of our life. It is walking day by day and year by year, doing the things God tells you in his word. We need to consider that everything we do in our lives that is in line with the truth of scripture is a good work that God has prepared for us. They are not simply tasks that we complete or a role that we fulfill. They are done with purpose in mind to bring glory to God. They may not be grand in the world's eyes necessarily. Maybe some would even look foolish. But to God, they're good works because he has declared them so in his word. As we seek to grow in our understanding of these good works, we're going to look at three areas that we need to continue to grow and nurture. Obedience, hard work, and legacy. First of all, we'll look at obedience. Um, I am a crafter. And among folk like me are something that we call UFOs or unfinished projects, or unfinished objects. So these are projects started and not yet finished. So this is an example that I brought up with me. I started this project with some other ladies, um, and it's meant to be what they call a block of the month project, where you just complete one block each month. So right now I am right on track for this to be a block of the year project. Um, <laughs> So some of you might have some of these as well, or maybe you have Pinterest boards full of ideas, all, that you, all with good intention that you might finish someday. But if they're never completed, they do not bring joy to yourself or others. My friends that have finished their blankets get to cuddle up under them. I get to cuddle up under this plastic box. The Bible tells us that we should not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. Action is required. It tells us, that, tells us that we must continue on, not forgetting what we have heard, but to do it. And those that do will be blessed in all they do. The fulfillment and joy in crafting is in the process and completion, and oftentimes in gifting it to someone. It's a simple understanding of continuing on in the word. Merely hearing is not enough. The verse we looked at a moment ago said that God prepared good works for us to do. Another version says that they're prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them. The word walk is present, active, and ongoing. It's an action word. We will never run out of good things to do for the Lord there are enough good works to last a lifetime. As I'm a little older now, I would say not too old, but older, I have lived through a few seasons of life, single, married, worker at home, worker outside the home, mom, mother-in-law, yaya, or grandma for some of you. And as we go through life, the good works will look different. However, in each phase, I am still to walk in the good works prepared for me. Obedience brings blessing and fulfillment. And we are told in the Bible that obedience is evidence that you love Jesus and God. Do you love Jesus? 
Are you walking in obedience to his word? I challenged you earlier when I spoke about a repurposed mind to be faithful to read your Bible. I'm going to challenge you again to be a woman of the word. Just start. Be faithful. There's power in the word. And it is not enough to just read and know. We must do what the Bible says. We want to grow in the good work of obedience. And second, we want to nurture and grow in diligence and hard work. You've heard the phrase, when the cat's away, the mice will play, right? Or applying it to to real life, such things as references to there's no management around, or maybe you work the off shift because there's fewer eyes watching, or maybe you live alone. They all imply that we can get away with something when someone in authority is not around. But what happens when your boss never sleeps and he can see everything in every office, home, car, store, wherever we are? We're told in the Bible that whatever you do, work at it with your whole heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. You are working for the Lord. He is your, he is your authority in the everyday nitty-gritty of life, and he never takes a day off, and he never leaves early. So what do we think about that? Should it scare us? or challenge us to give our all to every task. I hope that the latter is true. The thought of God being ever-present should bring comfort and focus. We're also told that whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Whatever you do, every single thing is done with purpose, an eternal purpose. Every aspect of our day is an opportunity to glorify God. I read a quote that said, the purpose of your work is to show that Christ is at work in you. So going back to the verse, we're to be working with our whole heart or heartily. Why? Because we're ultimately not serving man, but Jesus. So we have to ask ourselves, how do I work? Is it with excellence, integrity, diligence? Am I productive and hardworking? Do your coworkers, family, neighbors, and friends know that it is your heart's desire to bring glory to God in everything you do? Do they see it in your actions, in how you live life day by day? Are you a boss? Do you treat your employees fair and with kindness? Are you a stay-at-home mom? Are your children in home well cared for? Are you creating an atmosphere of love? Perhaps you're an accountant. Are you accurate and diligent in your work? Lady, the world is watching, and we are reflecting Christ. In my preparations for this talk, I really took time to think about this, to examine my own heart and actions and to see how I measured up. It was convicting, especially when you consider words like, whatever you do, and do it all. Over the last year, my days have taken on a very different look. From a full-time RN working at the hospital with my time scheduled and structured for me each day to a part-time RN working primarily from home in my office that's now in my laundry room and a schedule that's somewhat self-directed. I have more flexibility every day and when I am at home no one is with me but 
in all of this change, the truth of who I work for and how I am to work has not changed. I reflected on some of my days with this in mind. Do I get up when the alarm goes off and begin my day? Or do I repeatedly push the snooze, toss and turn, finally shuffling across my house, still in my pajamas, barely, barely clocking in on time? Do I get at the task at hand, whether at work going through my list of patients, or at home tending to housework, meal prep, or grocery shopping? Or do I allow distractions such as my phone, the latest news story, or social media to take up my time and focus? Do I plan ahead and complete my work, which frees, me, which frees up my time to help a coworker, visit a friend, engage in a hobby, or perhaps serve at church in some way? Or do I procrastinate and find myself scrambling at the last minute to come up with dinner or making excuses for why I can't do or help with something? If I'm honest with you, many of my days entailed some degree of bad attitude complacency, a spirit of discontent and gratitude, working in my own strength, gossip, and dare I say, straight up laziness. I told you earlier that I really took time to examine how I spend my days, both my attitude and actions, and I was greatly convicted. I needed to repent in several areas, and God has been faithful to help me recognize them and is continuing to provide strength and wisdom to make changes in my life that are more honoring to him. Before we move on, I'm gonna challenge you with them also. Trusting God may use them in your life as well. The first was to keep first things first. Make it a point to seek the Lord with the first moments of your day. It does not have to be a full-on examination of scripture, but call on him. Thank him for a new day. Recognize his goodness to you and invite him to order your day. Ask him to direct your thoughts and actions that they're obedient to the truth of the Bible. Spend time looking at truth, even if just a verse or two that you can meditate on throughout the day. This may not be when you do your full devotions, but it does help to remind you that your day belongs to, the, belongs to God and he can strengthen you for what lies ahead and that you can bring glory in it to him. Second, beware of distractions. The world is clamoring for our attention and a big way it's succeeding is through our phones. We use them for everything. Alarm clocks, recipes, banking, sending encouragement, camera, driving instructions. They're a wonderful tool and potential time stealer beyond anything else in our lives. We all know how we're looking up a recipe and something in the Google feed catches our eyes. And four clicks later, we know everything there is to know about worm farming. Now, some of you may not follow that trail, but I did. And they are really fascinating, what those little guys can do. So, but the fact is, the temptation to waste time on things and get distracted from the task at hand is strong. We need to fight against it and stay on track. We control our phones, they don't control us. And it's not just phones. It can be anything, really, that keeps us from doing the good work God has for us. Hobbies, leisure activities, friends, sleep. 
One of the things the Lord has really shown me during these months of preparation is how these distractions are really taking joy from the things that I say are so important. I love spending time with my family or meeting a friend for coffee or a walk. But what happens is that I found that I have to take time away from those things or not do them at all because I failed to commit to the task at hand. Or maybe I'd still do them, but I was frustrated or anxious over what I still had to accomplish. God has given us so many blessings to enjoy. Let's not squander our time and energy away on foolish things. So keep first things first, beware of distractions, and third, don't compromise. As my life bridges both work at home and work outside, meaning work I do is my profession, I have seen a growing problem around me, a sort of good enough attitude, an attitude of compromise or complacency. As long as it gets done, it doesn't matter how or when. I alluded to this in my daily comparisons earlier. Do my assigned or necessary work and no more. I could have made preparations for the next day to help out my family or coworkers. Or I could have been more disciplined to make a meal with some thought instead of throwing something together at the last minute in frustration. Compromise will steal your joy, and it is in no way wholehearted work that we are commanded to do. It does not glorify God. I read a saying in one of my study books that says, whatever Satan cannot curse or crush, he seeks to corrupt through compromise. That is powerful and true. Remember who we are serving, the Lord Jesus, and he deserves and commands excellence. So how are you working? Heartily, with excellence, or in your own strength, distracted and good enough? I challenge you to really examine your heart. Pay attention to how you're spending your time, no matter where it takes place. Pay attention to your thoughts and motives Do you believe that you're serving the Lord Jesus? If so, it will change your actions and attitude. It will change your priorities, and ultimately, it will add to your joy. So we want to grow in our obedience, in our understanding of diligence, diligent, hearty work, and finally, we want to nurture and grow our legacy. We have talked about glorifying God, including reflecting him to a watching world. We read in Matthew that we are to let our light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. These are the good works we've been talking about. We need to be modeling Jesus to a Christ, to a culture, excuse me, that is in desperate need of a Savior. We've already spoken quite a bit about interactions in and outside of our home. Now I want to take these final minutes to talk specifically about the children in our lives. So please don't turn out if you don't have children, as this is for all of us, and it is important. As women, we have a unique opportunity to influence the lives of children. April spoke of it earlier, being a life giver, whether of our own or to those around us. I want to take a moment to introduce you to someone influential in my life. Her name was Joy Mash. She exemplified her name, Joy, in every way. To me, she was the joy of the Lord personified. I doubt if many or any of you know her, but she was special to me. 
If she were here today, you would meet a dear older lady. For my remembrance, she always had on a skirt and blouse, wore her little pantyhose and the kind of the little short heels, and her hair was always perfectly done, kind of that little beehive look. She wore a smile, she had a soft voice and beautiful eyes. She always held your hand whenever you were near, and you were her sole focus. As a young believer, she was a picture of a godly woman to me. She was gentle and kind, thoughtful and gracious. She supported her husband. She was hospitable. She always had a kind word of encouragement. She was generous with her time and willingly gave to anyone. I remember thinking, I want to be like her someday. Now I know what I really wanted was her Lord. I saw Jesus in her, and I wanted to live a life that reflected him just like she did. She always told me she loved me, that Jesus loved me, and I believed her because she demonstrated it in her actions. She loved the Lord, and she demonstrated it by obeying the word. As, life, as my life took me away from that church, my mom would often tell me that joy had blessed her in some way with a note or small token. From what I was told, she daily served the Lord in some way until she died. I used to think that if I had a girl, I would use her name somehow. That's how much she influenced me. I pray for a life that impacts another for Christ. It wasn't the fact that she was a pastor's wife or had achieved any greatness in the world's eyes. It was that she went through life with eyes looking to God, purposing to do his work, being obedient to the word, no matter what season she was in. She was a nurturer. She helped me to grow in my understanding and love of Jesus through both her words and actions. And she still does, even after her death. I still pray that I might model Christ as she did, simply, in my everyday life. I want to walk in the Spirit like she did. God was glorified in her, and I am grateful for her example. And I praise him today for the testimony of her life. So today, when I think of the theme of purposing to grow and reflecting on the idea of nurturing good things in my life, it makes me think of joy and how she influenced me. And it makes me question, who am I influencing? How am I influencing them? Mrs. Mash made an impact because she lived for Christ. Our lives will only make a, mini, a meaningful impact on others as we live for Christ God's word repeatedly speaks of the blessing of children, that they are a gift from God. We need to be purposeful and in investing in their lives. Remember how Jesus viewed children? Let them come to me. For many, children are part of our everyday lives. Others of you may attend church with, teach, watch over, or are neighbors to those called precious to Jesus. No matter our contact, we need to be investing in them. We need to take time to make them feel loved and cherished, valued by us and their Heavenly Father. Childhood is a particular time of molding. The world is able to get, our, get at our kids in ways many of us were not exposed to, ways that honestly many of us do not fully understand. Access to social media and others' opinions through blogs and videos is probably only going to continue to grow, and they are screaming loud at our kids. We need to be mindful that we don't allow the world to define their purpose because we're busy 
distracted, or say we just don't know what to do. We need to be willing to step in. They need to see us discerning between the world's ways and God's ways so they can understand for themselves. How do we accomplish this? By faithfully living our lives in front of them. Be in the word. Obey it. Let them see you trusting God day by day. Engage them. Tell them you love them. Tell them God loves them. Show the love and joy of Christ by spending time with them. I remember the first time that I whispered the name of Jesus in my granddaughter's ear. It was humbling to think that God would use me to speak to her about the greatest truth in her life, that of her love, of her need and love of a Savior. It is humbling and a privilege to pray that her heart will belong to Jesus and that she will seek to honor him with every aspect of her life. And now God's granted me the blessing of a grandson, and those same quiet whispers of Jesus are shared, the same prayers of a heart that belongs to Christ and a life lived faithfully as a man of God. As I thought about this, I was reminded that I have been given the honor of grandparenting together with Mammy. That is my daughter-in-law's mom. She loves the Lord. Together, we have an awesome responsibility to live lives that demonstrate love and reflect Jesus to our shared grandchildren. There is no room for comparisons or offenses. Though I do not often have the opportunity to see or speak with her, I know that she desires these same things for these precious children. We cannot be frivolous with this privilege to pray and speak truth. I speak of being a grandma because that's where I am in my life right now. But the simple fact remains, we all have children in our lives. Our involvement will look different for each of us. God will not call each of us in the same way, but it is clear that he values children and we need to take up our call to raise them in the way they should go seriously, whatever that looks like. I've had the privilege of watching immediate family members and dear friends take children into their homes through the foster system. They love these kids, provide for their physical and emotional needs. But greater than that, they introduce these children to the love of their heavenly father and life offered through Christ. They've brought them to church and their little ears have heard truths proclaimed and prayers and worship offered to the Lord. I have watched them lay down their own wants, time, and comforts to serve these little ones. I've watched them experience tremendous joy as special milestones were celebrated, and I watched them experience great pain and separation. But the pain was met with trust in God and his plans and purposes for those children. Another dear lady who has no children of her own has chosen to adopt a family in the church and sends cards and gifts, spends time with them. She faithfully prays for them. Another took on the task of reading with young homeschool children, in part to help the mom, but ultimately out of obedience to what she felt God was calling her to do. I'm amazed by the creativity and commitment and humbled by their faithfulness. What are you willing to do or give up in order to invest in the life of a child? I ask this question to myself as well. It doesn't have to be grand. Smile at them. Have a neighbor kid join you for dinner. 
they will get a picture of the Heavenly Father's care for, you, for them as you thank Him for your meal. They will understand kindness and joy as you share about your day and laugh together. Never underestimate the power of your life and example. Joy Match still challenges me to live for Jesus long after she has died. There's an old song that says, May all who come behind us find us faithful. It's a challenge to live a life that points others to Christ and inspires them to obedience. Many months ago, I attended a funeral, and we were challenged to live like you are leaving. It is living with an understanding that our life here is limited, and we have a singular message to share, Jesus Christ. I wear many hats, wife, mom, mother-in-law, grandma, sister, daughter, aunt, friend, neighbor, coworker. You each have your own, and in all of them, we have a responsibility and calling to reflect Christ. The titles do not matter. Obedience to the word matters. Walking in truth matters. So what good things are you nurturing in your life? Are you seeking to grow in your understanding of obedience, hard work, and leaving a spiritual legacy? Remember the careful care and nurture of that little duck resulting in life and joy as it followed behind my son? So, too, our lives can speak of life and joy as we model Christ before others in our works and actions. So I leave you now with these words of truth, spoken as a prayer for you and me. Now may the God of peace equip you with everything good for his will, and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Okay, so that was just a really great example to us of all the ways that you and I are called to grow. Kim gave us three specific ways that were really helpful and honestly, quite convicting to me. First, she called us to obey God. This is not always easy, but obedience brings blessing. Second, she called us to work hard at whatever we are doing in our each and every day. She asked us the question, what is the good work you are doing? I was thinking about this as I was preparing to put this podcast episode together, and I was thinking how today I did some good works. They're not fancy, they're not amazing, but they're things around my house and in my life that are important, like I did a few loads of laundry and folded some towels, I made lasagna for my family, I ran to the grocery store to purchase cat food for our cats, whom my kids love, I prayed for a couple of friends who were hurting, and I reached out through a text to someone I spent a nice dinner hour with my kids and my husband. These are the good works I did. I didn't go overseas to share the gospel to a small country in Africa, but I did the works that were right in front of me. I did this because this is what God calls us to do. I love this challenge to just do what God has called you to do that is right in front of you and work hard at it. Okay, third, Kim directed us to love the children in our lives. She called us to leave a legacy of loving them, caring for them, and speaking of Jesus to them. This is such an important part of our church. No matter how big or small your church is, you probably have kids around. The children are truly the next generation that will grow up in our churches. And statistically, many children, when they turn to teenagers and college age, leave the church. So 
It's our chance to invest in the lives of the children around us. Let's pray for them. Let's have some connections with them. Let's invite them right into our lives. This was such a great talk and so practical. Hey, we have one more part in this series coming up in a couple weeks, but next week is our Mom to Mom installment, and it's going to be a really fun one. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have called us to good works. Help us to remember today to do the things you have put in front of us and not grumble and not complain and not look for other things to do, but to serve and to look for ways to honor you in our everyday. In Jesus' name, amen. Remember when everything around you is shaken, you can stand unshaken because of our rock and our fortress, because of God. Until next time.